Welcome back to Harmonize Your Life, Conversations on Self-Care for Women of Color podcast with your host, Dr. Tony G. Alvarado. I am super excited about this next series of conversations that we're going to be having in the month of July. Yes, it is the month of July. We have officially entered into the second half of the year 2023. It's been an exciting year. I know for me, it's been a a milestone year, having uh, celebrated my 60th birthday on May 16th, just celebrated my 30th wedding anniversary and my 30th year in uh, credentialed ministry. So it's been a banner year for me, a very exciting year, but I'm very, very excited as we move into the second half of this year about our conversations and about uh, zoning in on what it really means to take care of ourselves as women of color. I'm super excited about today's conversation because our dialogue partner is my soror, my line sister, my friend, my girlfriend, and we're going to have a wonderful conversation today around the subject of Black Girl Magic. We're going to deconstruct um, this whole idea of uh, or the phenomenon of Black, Black Girl Magic in our conversation on today and to dig a little deeper into what it really means, um, uh, what uh, does it really look like, and how is it impacting us in the, uh, how is the whole idea of Black Girl Magic impacting our health, our wellness, our fitness, and our self-care. So I want you to stay with us um, throughout the month of July because uh, we're starting the conversations with my guests today. um, And then we're going to continue the conversation with my next guest later on this month. Today's episode and today's conversation and dialogue partner is my soror, my sister, my friend, Tisa Smart Washington. Later on this month, we're going to be digging a little deeper in this conversation with my sister and friend, Dr. Jean Porter King. It's going to be an exciting month here and and dialogue um, that will hopefully help us and change the trajectory of the rest of this year and the years to come for us as we uh, harmonize our lives, as we move forward in our self-care, health, fitness, and wellness. Stay with us and we'll be right back right after this. All right, we'll be right back right after this. Well, I want to welcome for the first time to the Harmonize Your Life uh, uh, podcast uh, conversations on self-care for women of color podcast, my sister, my soror, my line sister, and my friend, Tisa Smart Washington. I want to give you just a little bit about who she is uh, professionally, and and we're going to delve into this really, really intriguing conversation. So Tisa Smart Washington was elected Rockdale County, Georgia Tax Commissioner in 2016 after serving as Chief Deputy Tax Commissioner in Rockdale since 2013. Prior to joining the Tax Commissioner's office, Tisa served as communication writer in the office of the CEO of DeKalb County and editor of the Rockdale News. A graduate of Leadership Rockdale, we're both graduates, <laughs> class of 2015. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, Regional Leadership Institute. She has been a member of several organizations in Rockdale, including the Rotary Club of Conyers, Keep Conyers Rockdale Beautiful, Rockdale Young Professional Leaders, Angie's House, Rockdale NAACP, 
the nonprofit consortium, Rockdale County Public School Superintendents Advisory Council, Rockdale County Public School Superintendents uh, Parent Advisory Council, the National Council of Negro Women, uh, the Rockdale Newton um, uh, Chapter, the Rockdale County Democratic Party, and Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, uh, Chi Tau Mega Chapter, uh, servicing Rockdale and Newton County. Tisa earned a BA in communications from Georgia State University, an MBA from Troy University, and an MPA from Harvard University. She and her husband, David, live in Conyers, Georgia, with their son, Zudeda and Zeta Washington. And I am so glad that she is with us on today, and we're going to be having a wonderful conversation today around the subject of Black Girl Magic. We're going to be uh, deconstructing the whole idea or the phenomenon that has become known as Black Girl Magic. And I'm excited because Tisa has agreed to come in today and be my dialogue partner. Tisa, welcome to the Harmonize Your Life podcast. And welcome to this conversation on today. Thank you. I am very excited to be here. Finally got into the studio. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. We had we had some issues trying to get this going, but we made it. Yes. Yes. We made it. Um, we thank, made it. thank you for having me. I'm so excited about having this conversation. And, um, you know, just hearing you read um, my bio, I feel like, I'm busy. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> and that's that's one of the issues, you know. Right, right. So I have, I have to do. Um, you know, we have we absolutely have to care for the community, but part of the community is us as well. We need to make sure that we can. And can I say this? We are a major part of that community, and it starts with us because yeah. really we cannot take care of the community if we don't take care of ourselves. Absolutely. Right. And so that's why I'm so excited about um, this this conversation that we're having on today. Tisa, um, for those of you who are listening, I want to just give you a little background on how this conversation, why I invited Tisa to come into the podcast studio so we can kind of talk about this issue of Black Girl Magic. Tisa and I were in conversation a few months ago, and she is in a global leadership program at uh, Troy University um, doing her PhD, right? Yes. Working on her PhD. And as a part of her PhD um, dissertation that she is currently writing and constructing, she is looking at this phenomenon of Black girl magic uh, as relates to women's leadership. And so um, Tisa, let's, and, and as we were talking about it, and we've been dialoguing off camera about it, I feel it is necessary that we have this conversation and we dig a little deeper. I had the privilege of attending um, a conversation that was led, being led by um, Dorothy Buchanan, Dr. Dorothy Buchanan uh, from Top Ladies of Distinction, who is also uh, one of our uh, um, past international presidents of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And so sitting in on that conversation that um, uh, where we were talking about the burden of Black girl magic, right? And it was such a wonderful dialogue. And then Tisa and I talked a little further afterwards. And I said, let's talk a little more about this in the podcast, on the podcast. As This is the second part of the year 2023. 20, uh, and as we move forward in the year, Tisa, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about what I'm seeing in our community and how we are moving and shaking while we're doing some great things. I wonder, are we really, 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 do we really, really understand what it means when we embrace ideas like black girl magic, um, the strong black woman syndrome, which we know of and we've heard of, we've talked about even on my podcast, we, um, we talked about the myth of the strong black woman. In my book on self-care, I talk about the fact that the strong black woman is a myth. But now we've moved away from, a lot of us have said, okay, you know, we've dismantled that in some ways. And now we've adopted this new idea 
of Black Girl Magic. And you've been talking about it in, um, and we've been talking about it and your paper that you that you that you've written and which you're expanding into your PhD dissertation is phenomenal. And I wanted us to talk about your paper. I want you to give us the history of it. Where did this idea come from, Black Girl Magic? When and why this term originated and define it for us today. Okay. Um, so so let me just do uh, um uh just provide a little more context mm -hmm. um, on how I came to this idea or um, I came to have this interest in even studying black girl magic as a, as a topic for my dissertation. Mm -hmm. um, when I was in my, my MPA program at Harvard, it was a wonderful experience mm -hmm. that, um, that actually Dr. Tony, you, um, you helped me make the decision to go. Okay. Because when I applied, I applied to Harvard um, you, it's Harvard. You don't yeah. know if you're, you're going to get in. You know, yeah. I've talked to some of my classmates and they were very confident in the fact that they were going to get in. I was not one of those people. You know, it was, we were in COVID. I decided to shoot my shot. Yeah, and when you were talking to your, um, your, you said you were talking to some of your classmates yeah. after you got in. Yes. I, I just need to ask you, are you talking about other black classmates or are you talking about classmates who are white? You know, it's it's very funny, especially in light of the new uh, Supreme Court affirmative action. All this stuff that's going on. Actually, it did, it was um, a black classmate, mm -hmm. but from South Africa. Oh, and I would say that um, even in our cohort of, mm -hmm. um, I think we ended up at a, like about one hundred and eighty nine folks in our cohort. Um, I think I think 10 percent, not maybe not even 10 percent were black. Mm -hmm. And of the 10 percent, only seven were from the United States. Mm. So there was a big focus on um, international students. Mm -hmm. So so that may have been the difference, but uh, but very confident in the fact that they were going to get in. Mm -hmm. And um, that was not my experience at all. And so when I received my acceptance letter, I did not think that, that I was going to be able to attend. And your words always come back to me where God guides, he provides. Mm. And so, it, you know, instead of allowing my, my own feelings um, mm -hmm. to guide, I said, well, God, you, you, you gave me this opportunity. And mm -hmm. if it is for me to, um, attend this program, mm -hmm. you will provide a means for me to do so. Mm -hmm. And it was not only um, was it an amazing experience, it was one that came without that type of burden. Okay. I always had a place to lay my head. Thank you to my mother-in-law who um, lives in, <laughs> <laughs> who lives in Boston and she gave me a place to stay. Okay. And, um, you know, it just, it was such an easy process that I went through the process and now I'm done, you know, and, right. and it's been a year. But while I was there, um, I'm not going to say that it was, was without burden. You know, one of the big things was that it was not an online program, which I thought it was going to be. And mm -hmm. so I flew to Boston every week for class. Yeah, I remember that. And, and I was, as I was doing that type of traveling, which I've never done before, mm -hmm. there were times where I was very weary where I just wanted to stay home, where it was a little lonely because, um, you know, I couldn't uh, network and engage in fellowship mm -hmm. with folks there the way that the others could. And I couldn't do it here the mm -hmm. way that I was used to. Mm -hmm. and, and, and people would say, oh, you're just black girl magic. You're making it happen. And I would sit there and think there is nothing magical about this <laughs> at all. It is. It's so work. <laughs> yeah. There are times when I want to give up where I'm doing homework on the plane because I was still working and yeah. I didn't want it to, 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 I didn't want folks to think that I was neglecting my, my, my duties. Okay. And I didn't want folks to think that I was neglecting my family. Okay. And so I tried to make, keep everything as normal as possible at the same time doing this incredible, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
program in and of itself and then being able to do it the way that I did it was just not um, normal. Okay. And in that, I said, by calling it magic, we don't give the the appropriate attention mm -hmm. to the fact that women, especially Black women, are doing the unthinkable. Mm -hmm. They are doing things that other people absolutely would say, that won't be me. I would never do that. And 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 here, and I want I want to say when you said by calling it magic, when we when because we're calling it magic, it, we're really not paying attention to what it's really taken to make this happen. Exactly, it's it's sacrifice. It's sacrifice and it's grit and it's tears and it's mm -hmm. and it's um, hard work, mm -hmm. you know, and. And, and then oftentimes we have to do all of this just to show up in rooms that other folks get access to. Mm -hmm. And then the expectation is that, oh, you must have only done what I did to get in this room. And I'm, 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 <laughs> and I'm rolling my suitcase through campus right, right. I went from the airport to campus. Right, right. You know, I'm not, I, I can't just go home during classes and grab a bite to eat or take a nap. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, and so the expectation is that you cannot possibly be working as hard as I am. And the truth of the matter is that I'm probably working harder mm -hmm. than you. Mm -hmm. I'm working harder just to get the opportunity or the uh, just to get the opportunity to work as hard as you because mm -hmm. I'm working hard work. harder just to get the opportunity to work as hard as you. Yes, because. Most of what I have to do has to do with access. Once I get in the room, I still have to do what is expected of you. Mm. So, and, and, and there's, and we need to start. I, 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 I've said that I'm black girl magic. I have proclaimed black girl magic, but I think that we also need, there is space for us to say, um, to critique black girl magic as well. Mm -hmm. And to say that while we are celebrating each other for doing incredible work, and doing incredible things that we have to keep, we have to acknowledge that the work is incredible, not because Black women are doing it, but it is incredible because of the way that we have to, um, the sacrifices and the hard work and the energy that we have to put in behind it mm -hmm. to actually um, do the work the way that we do it. Wow. Uh, you know, um, Tisa, so in your paper, you talked about um, where and which and I was I appreciated your paper because, you know, we have to, we see these hashtags right on social media and we just immediately we gravitate to them um, and we start using them. And sometimes we don't even realize where they came from. Right. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And so what I appreciated about your paper was um, it really it educated me on where this really came from. Yes. The idea of Black Girl Magic, you wrote in 2013, Washington, D.C., social media influence. Shawan Thompson began using online, using online the phrase Black girls are magic to celebrate women at a time when celebrities such as Serena Williams and Viola Davis were being criticized because they did not meet the conventional beauty standards in America. And so when I read that, I was like, okay, so the whole idea of Black Girl Magic was not even really about performance. No, no. It was it, more about beauty standards. Well I, well, I think that it was just about um, the Black woman's experience In as general. a whole. Okay, okay. You know, as a whole, that, that we are able to do incredible things that we're able to show up in incredible spaces and we just don't get celebrated for it at all. As, as a matter of fact, a lot of times when we show up in these spaces, we get criticized. Mm -hmm. Okay. You like Viola, like Serena. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and even with the, the with the Supreme Court's um, decision on affirmative action, mm -hmm. you know, we can work hard, we can get mm -hmm. admitted to schools, and others will say that you only got here because of affirmative action. Yeah, I get you it. Know? 
-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I saw um, somebody posted on Facebook where they said that they don't believe it was a black, black person. And they said they don't believe in affirmative action because they don't think that they've ever gotten a job because they were black. And the truth of the matter is that, oh, and, and the, the caveat was they believe that they got the job because they're smart. And really when it comes to affirmative action, it's the fact that you can be as smart as you are and experienced and do the amazing work that you do and you still not get the job. Yeah. Simply because it's you- It's not can. about being smart, actually. It's, it's not. not. Mm -mm. It's not. Because the, the assumption is that um, I, got the, I got the job or I got into the school um, and I was not qualified. Mm. And- we all know, for those of us that have been alive for any amount of time, um, we know that we not only have to be qualified, we have to be over overly qualified mm -hmm. in order to get the same opportunities and access as other people. Okay. Okay. Um, and so, you know, you know, Black Girl Magic was was was, you know, it kind of evolved into this hashtag or black girls are magic evolved into this hashtag black girl magic. And it just took on a life of its own. But a lot of people don't realize that it's only been out. Kind of out there. Yeah. For yeah. the last 10 years. Yeah. And that, 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 and we, and a lot of times, like I said, we adopt these ideas or these um, tropes or we internalize them. We share them. We use the hashtags. But then I don't know if we really understand the psychological, uh, sociological implications of what we're actually saying when we use these. Um, Absolutely. We, we use these hashtags or phrases or we adopt these mindsets. Exactly. And, and, and in, in, the, um, in the research, what I found is that a lot of um, researchers um, are... are are critical mm -hmm. of, of, of the ones that, that are kind of critical of the, of the, of the trope say that it has become synonymous with, um, excellence, black excellence. Okay. And, and, and it is Say more about that. And it is, it's, it's, or, or even actually, even when we talk about black excellence, a lot of times it means that you live in a nice house, you drive a nice car you know, mm -hmm. and, and what happens is that it, it then starts to alienate everyone else, mm -hmm. or it puts the pressure on the larger community that if you are not living in a certain house, driving mm -hmm. a certain car, your kids mm -hmm. don't go to a certain school, mm -hmm. then you're not living up to this standard, the standard of excellence or what we call excellence or magic mm -hmm. that is not realistic for anybody at all, mm -hmm. you know? So then you start to alienate everyone else and you don't even realize that it's happening. You alienate everyone else and you also alienate yourself. And by that, I mean, you start putting undue pressure on yourself to live up to these standards yep. of excellence or beauty or performance education or whatever and so we ne then when is enough enough when have i achieved enough when am i good enough when you know when am i satisfied where is my enough line and so we alienate others by saying you don't reach a standard but then we put undue pressure on ourselves to stay at a certain level Exactly, or, or constantly be achieving more and more, and doing more and more, and being more and more, and taking on more and more. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's it's. It, I see what you mean. So it's kind of like a a, a a a black hole in a sense that we're digging for ourselves when we internalize these ideas. And, and you know what's really interesting to me is, okay, so. In what ways does BGM, and I, I love the fact that you use those acronyms in your uh, paper, from SBW, the strong Black woman syndrome, How, in what ways does Black girl magic reclaim um, strong Black woman and revision Black women? How do we, you know, because 
we know that the strong black woman syndrome where uh, is rooted in slavery. And for those of you that are listening for the very first time, I want to invite you to go back to a conversation I had with Dr. Sienna Lee on this whole strong black woman motif. And we talked about how it's rooted in a slavery mentality where we had to work and we had to perform and we had to produce all the time, right? And um, where that actually comes from and these tropes of black women with, with the, um, um, the black woman has to be a bossy or in charge or the B word, you know what I'm saying? Or we were sex overly sexualized and we were the Jezebel or we were the mammy taking care of everybody and everything. And we, and we wore it as a badge of honor. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and, and my argument, um, <laughs> that I hope that I can prove with my dis that I will prove with my dissertation. No, that's right. And then I'm, 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 um, I'm speaking it. Um, is that strong black woman has evolved into black girl magic? It hasn't changed. We're still holding on to those elements of mm -hmm. black girl of strong mm -hmm. black woman, mm -hmm. and you know the research may show that there's a there's a level of empowerment. The research, the research may not show that, you know, that's what I want to find out. But, um, but I think that at this point in my research, it feels like uh, black girl magic is strong black woman syndrome dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> Say more about that. Yeah, that, that we've gotten to a point where, okay, so as you were talking, you, you were talking about, um, kind of just the, the, the evolution of, of, of things. And I think it's important for us to understand that in 2013, society's expectation, just period, not just of black women or just women mm -hmm. in general, but mm -hmm. society's expectations were very different than they are in 2023. Uh -huh. You know, if we uh -huh. can go back, you know, even 10 years, 2003, mm -hmm. it's funny uh, when you're watching, when you've seen these things on Facebook, where you'll see, um, 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 individuals will post, this is what I looked like in middle school. And this is what middle schoolers look like now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we yes. look like we were just trying to make it when we were <laughs> in middle school. <laughs> and now they, you know, they're designer down and, you know, they're Honey, the proms. I, what's getting me is the proms. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the proms are, I'm like the production, these proms that become, I'm, I'm really concerned about it. But we, these proms are like, Major production. Somebody yes. I saw I saw a meme the other day said if parents put as much attention into homework and uh and uh grades and and uh, making sure our children read and all as we do with these prompts, we have some, it'd be something. Some really be something. Exactly. Right. And so there's so so just society as a whole has changed. So we also have to understand when we were comp comp uh, proclaiming in 2013 that black girls were magic, our definition of magic was very different than it is now. Mm. Now you have to be on vacation every week. You have to. <laughs> I mean, social media has really done a number mm -hmm. on our expectations of ourselves on our right, expectations. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. So what we mean by magic now is very different. And it means that you, ha if you're not a senior VP by the time you're 27 and you don't have, you know, a palatial estate and you cannot vacation, you know, twice every quarter, then you're not operating in magic. And those images are so very dangerous because we don't understand that we are internalizing all of it. And it's what drives us. And we can drive ourselves into making poor health decisions. We can drive ourselves into making poor financial decisions mm -hmm. um, just because we're trying to live up to this image or this expectation of what it means to be magic. Magic. Wow. You know, um, and when I say that, that strong black woman is, is an evolution of, I'm sorry, that Black Girl Magic is an evolution of strong Black, black woman um, schema. The, there are some parts of that that we're, we're holding fast to. And one of those is that 
um, expectation that we are to show up for everyone else and be self-sacrificing. Mm-hmm. I think that the especially in the workplace, especially right. in the workplace, mm-hmm. a lot of times Black women are seen as great workers, but mm-hmm. not leaders. Right, right. And, and, and so we will you know, work harder. We think if we work harder and we show them more that they will give us that opportunity. And a lot of times those opportunities don't come, not because we're not, we're not capable, but because we're not seen as leaders mm-hmm. from the time we walk through the door. We, we are not able to change the narrative. And I'm, and I'm going to say this, I, I, it's showing up out, you know, I'm going to go out on the ledge and say it's not just showing up at work, but it's showing up even in the way we do church, even in the way we do service organizations like the ones we are a part of. Um, You know, it's showing up in so many ways and that we can we feel like we have to be in everything. We feel like we have to do everything or we have to lead everything. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I can I can be a part of stuff and not have to lead everything. Yeah. I can support without supporting everything. Yeah. I don't have to have something uh, brilliant to say about everything. Even with social media, it's like every occurrence that happens, people are looking for you to have a statement. Yes. And <laughs> and, and be the spokesperson for every issue. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and especially um, when it comes to race, especially when it comes to race, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I was a part of the, um, at, Harvard, I, at Harvard, I was a part of the anti-racism journal, um, racist, um, anti-racism policy journal. And um, the leader of, of that journal, his name was, his name is Thomas Bishop. And one of the things that he would always remind us is that, Anti-racism work is not work for Black people to do. A lot of times we are charged with leading that work, but it's not our work to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we don't have to learn how to be anti-racist. A lot of times we lead that type of work because we realize the importance of it mm-hmm. and that it is, um, if we don't call mm-hmm. it out and we don't champion that work, the work may never be done. But in our Mm-hmm. In our role as facilitating the conversations, we have to understand that that work is not our work. You know, do. my my daughter, Ariel, she's wise, wise beyond her years. Yes, she is. And one of the things she said um, to, years ago, I'll never forget she said this. She was talking about her friends on social media and um, they, I sent my children to p- private school. They went to el- in elementary and middle school. Jonathan did uh, two years of high school in private school, and then he went on to Rockdale. Ariel did all of high school in uh, public school, and then Joshua did uh, middle school and high school in uh, public school. But all of their formational years were in private Christian schools, um, and they were predominantly white. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize until afterward, as they got older, they began to express to me and their dad some of the a lot of the microaggressions and the trauma that they experienced being in those settings as as students of color, black, Afro-Hispanic students. And um, I will never forget one time Ariel was talking and she was saying it was something going on. I can't remember. Was it because she was at Spelman at that time? And it might have been, it was during the pandemic and it was during all the uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all that. And she said, mom, it's exhausting. She said, and she said, I don't feel like I have to do the work of, of racism for white people. They need to do their own work. Mm-hmm. And it is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And, and and one of the things that you talked on about the microaggressions, First of all, a lot of times we don't know that those things that are said or or are done, especially when we're internalizing them, we're internalizing them, but we don't even know that 
that they're harmful until we get older. And then we realize, you know, things like, I want to change my name. That was a big thing for me when I was little. I want to change my name because my name is too African. You know, like nobody can pronounce my name. It was a, a now I grew up and both of my kids have very, very, very ethnic names, you know, but, but those, those things, as they happen, you don't realize. Yeah. I remember when I decided to go natural with my hair mm-hmm. and the, the, the trauma that I went through around, yeah. you know, what am I going to look like? And, you know. All of that, and the God knows if I can get back some of the money I've spent on just all of that, and so yeah, the microaggressions and how it's impact us. You know, um, Dr. Jane Morgan, who's a cardiologist, yeah. you know, had on on you know you know her because we we were yeah, same birthday, right, right, yeah. He talks about how microaggressions have impacted our health in terms of our whole our heart health. She and, said, and, we don't even realize the stress that our heart has been under because we've been in spaces where we've experienced these microaggressions or trying to live up to what, you, what you're saying here, this whole magical idea or concept. And it's, 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 it's the burden of it and the stress of it is showing up even in our, in our, our heart health. And, and, and cardiovascular diseases because of the stress that we're under, under under the mindset that we have to perform and do and be better and know more and run faster than everybody else. And, and the research supports that. The research shows why um, living up to these, um, these schemas are so dangerous because especially black women in leadership that um, dealing with microaggressions all the time puts you in, in a state of hypervigilance. Mm. And because we are always living in this state of what is the, what's the next thing that's going to come that I'm going to have to guard against, then our stress levels are, are higher than those of our counterparts. And the research shows that we suffer, Black women suffer from more um, health challenges than any other demographic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the truth of the matter is that we may be magical at work, but it doesn't stop there. Like you said, we're magical at church. We're magical in, in community organizations. We're magical at home. And and a lot of times we're holding ourselves to those standards. And guess what? So are our peers. Mm. And a lot of times if we don't show up magical for them, then there is. Um, a reckoning that comes. Yeah, yeah it's a repercussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not, she's not as dedicated. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know what's going on with her because she used to be dependable and now she is not. Mm-hmm. And it's this balance that we have to strike in our own lives to say, mm-hmm. what am I, I'm going to have to miss out on some opportunities. So mm-hmm. what are those opportunities that I'm willing to miss willing out to on miss my health? You're missing out. FOMO, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, you know, kind of going back to com- uh, to social media. Um, one of the reasons why social media is so dangerous is because FOMO, we, we have, they had FOMO back in the day, right? But it was because you saw your neighbor across the street do something or they went on vacation or your, you know, your cousin called up and said that she had a, she was, she had a great vacation mm-hmm. and, and you said, oh, wow, I'd like to experience that. Now you log onto Facebook and you can see everything that's happening all over the world and things that people are doing. And then we have this desire to do it all. Yeah. And do it all now. Yes. Do it all now. You know, I'm, I have to say this, um, and nobody come for me. I'm not a big fan of Kanye West <laughs> at oh, all. Me either. <laughs> but I saw a, a clip um, of Kanye yesterday. And in the clip, he said, he said, um, I may not be right. I may be right. Or it was something about being right versus right now. Mm. You know, it's or it's not that I'm not right. It's just that I'm not right now. Mm. you know okay. and 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 I think that we can kind of take that and flip it on on its head and say it's not that we have to do it we can't do it it's just that we can't do it right now and sometimes 
it's that we shouldn't do it. Yeah, that's true Sometimes too. It's just not what I'm supposed to be doing. That's Sometimes, true. like you said, it's not my fight. Yeah. Sometimes it's not my call. It's not my project. It's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Yes. And so we got to be clear about that. And one of the things you said, Tisa, I want to go back to that's so important with this deconstructing black girl magic that, and I say this often when I'm teaching on self-care, self-care, when we take care of ourselves, it gives, uh, we also give others permission to take yeah. care of themselves. And so if one, once I release myself from this idea that I'm magical and I have to always be on, then I can give that same grace to my sister. Mm -hmm. So when she says, I'm tired or I can't, or I don't want to, or this is, you know, I need to pull out or I need a break or I need to, this is, you know, I can give her permission That's and good. not her and not be angry with her and not be mad at her and be like, okay, girl, you, you get what I'm saying? I think it's so important that we do, and all of us have had to do it. I've had to check myself on it with me and with others, right? And so it, I think when we develop this community of, you know what, it's okay not to be okay. We say that, but do we really mean that? That's good because what I'm hearing you say that even in other people, trying to place that burden on you that there is a there is a level of grace that we need to extend to them because then that means that they don't offer themselves that same level of grace mm -hmm. and so they're not going to give it to anybody else so instead right. of being mad because oh they asking too much just know that they haven't gotten to the place where they're giving themselves that grace mm -hmm. and we all need it we all need it yeah we all need it i'm telling you i'm so glad that you're taking this on um, as a project, as a dissertation topic, it is so important. It's so needed in our community. I'm grateful that you were able to come on to the podcast and talk about it. I know you're um, really just getting started in your research. Um, your paper is wonderful. I, she sent me her paper, you all, just to review so that I, we can have this conversation. But um, I'm looking forward to the expansion of it. I know this work is going to be uh, seminal. I know it's going to change lives. I'm, I'm sure. And I, I want you to, I'm saying in time, when it's time, that not only is this a dissertation, but this needs to be a book. This needs to be something that we can hold on to in our community, Tisa. I'm so proud of you. I received, I received that. I received I'm that. Excited. And anything I can do to help you in the journey. Yeah, um, thank you so very much because you again, um, you know, oftentimes I think, um, is this I don't want it to be trite, you know. Oh, it's a social media, it's a social media hashtag, but it's not, it really is um what a lot of black women have internalized. And we have to get to the point where we understand what it I think you said it earlier in the in the in this uh podcast that we say it but we don't really understand its implications and we have to be aware of the implications mm -hmm. that we can still say that we are magic and acknowledge that the work that we do is hard mm -hmm. and it's taxing and we need support and we need to support each other mm -hmm. in this work that, that we're all out here doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There is space for that. There's space for that yeah. and give you space for that. Tisa, I want people to know where they can find you. So on Facebook, you can find her at Tisa Smart Washington. I want you to go there and look her up uh, on Instagram, The Smart Washington. I love that. <laughs> the Smart Washington. You can find her on, on there uh, on Twitter uh, at SMRT Washington, W-S-H-I-N-G-T-N. Look her up. Um, if you're not on YouTube and watching us, um, you can see her, um, her on YouTube. You can see all of her, um, all of her social media pages. You can see those scrolling across the screen on LinkedIn. You can find her at Tisa Smart Washington, MBA, MPA. And she's even on TikTok. I love her. <laughs> giving tax um tax information 
valuable information. So um, so you can find her at Tisa. The Who Tisa. is your researcher? <laughs> yeah. She is the, she can really, really help you with, with this whole idea of how to do your taxes. And I'm glad she is the ta my tax commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> but she is my friend. She's my soror. And I'm glad that she is with us on today. This whole conversation needs to be heralded and needs to be uh, further. And that's why I wanted her to come into the podcast studio. Tisa, I'm going to let you give us one last word of encouragement as we prepare to, uh, to sign off today. Well, I, I just wanted to say thank you. Not a word of encouragement, but just a thank you for allowing me to come on and um, talk about this work that I'm doing. Um, you know, th the dissertation process is a very lonely journey at times. And I wonder sometimes if I'm on the right path and you asking me to come here is just confirmation that I am doing what God has put me here to do. Wow. And so I thank you for this opportunity because I, because these convers we need to have these conversations. We need to make sure that especially Black women understand that self-care is a matter of life and death for us. Mm. And so we need to take it seriously. Oh. It's a, it, I mean, literally, yes. before we came on, we were talking about a friend, a sister who has um, passed away. And um, we don't know all the implications of what was going on, but self-care, when you said that, it can be a matter of life and death yes. for us. I'm telling you, I've seen it over and over and over again. Some have lived to tell about it, and some, unfortunately, yes. And anything, any awareness, anything that we can do to to really understand um, those those uh, anything that's having an impact on our health uh, are opportunities for us to to do work in those areas and change it. A lot of times, we don't realize um, how the impact that the levels of stress that we're experiencing at work or experiencing at home or in organizations, um, the impact that it's having on our health. And the more we're aware, the more we're able to change those things. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and speaking of being more aware, I want to just let uh, everyone know as we sign off where to find this podcast. Um, first of all, you are listening to or watching on YouTube, the Harmonize Your Life Conversations on Self-Care for Women of Color podcast. We started this podcast in 2020 during the pandemic to have these conversations around self-care, health, and wellness, because we know statistics, uh, statistically um, this, uh, the numbers prove that during the pandemic, Black people, Black and Brown people suffered the most. We, we had the highest number of, of, of deaths in our community because of our comorbidities that we all, uh, many of us had coming into the pandemic. And so the pandemic just ravished our community. And so we wanted to share more information, more inspiration, more motivation around health, wellness, fitness, financial health, mental health, um, uh, um, eating, healthy eating, nutrition, all the things, relationships, everything that helps us to live a harmonious life. And so um, we started this podcast during that time. We've had so many women and men come into this podcast studio to help us with these conversations. And I would like for you to share, listen, share this conversation that we're having today. You can go to my YouTube channel at Dr. Tony G. Alvarado, subscribe and share. When you interact with this podcast on YouTube, you allow this podcast to come up in the analytics. When people are looking for information around self-care, health, wellness, you allow this podcast to become one of the things that come up in the search engine. And we want to make sure that while social media is wonderful, while there's a whole lot of um, things that are injurious to us, there are information, there is information and conversations like this that can help us be healthy, whole, spirit, soul, and body. And so I want to invite you to do that. I also want to invite you women to join the Harmonize Your Life Women's Self-Care Network. Join the Self-Care Network. Tisa is a part of the Self-Care Network, and I appreciate her uh, being a part of that. I want you to join our network because we are a network of women who are concerned about self-care for ourselves 
and for one another. There is space in this network for you to take a break, to breathe, to hear these kind of conversations and apply these principles to your life. I also want you to know that we've started the Intentional Self-Care Program. We are right now uh, in the middle of this year's program, but we will be taking applications this fall for the next program. So if you're interested in um, the um, self-care, uh, if you're interested in doing the 12-month Intentional Self-Care Program with Dr. Tony uh, Alvarado, I want you to email me at hello. Dr. Tony Alvarado, and let me know of your interests, and we will get you the information and let you know what you need to do to become a part of the Intentional Self-Care Program. Thank you again, Tisa, for being our dialogue partner on today. We appreciate you, we honor you, and we're grateful for you being with us on today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to sign off here, and we want you to pay attention to all of the conversations that we're going to be having this month concerning health, wellness, fitness, and self-care for women of color. See you soon.